Listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Octopi Hockey Town. And welcome to another edition of Octopi Hockey Town here, folks. I'm Zach Fanko alongside Brian Bobel. How are you doing today, Brian? Oh, I'm doing great, Zach. It's good to be back. A lot of hockey to talk about, even though we're at the All-Star break. Oh, I know. It's been a, it's been quite a long break since we last were on, um, you know, over the winter break and now into uh, January and, you know, the uh, kind of the dog days of the uh, NHL right now in the middle of the season. And um, right now the Wings just got done with their games right before the All-Star break. Got a win uh, a few a couple nights ago against Minnesota, 5-4 to four in the shootout. And uh, that was quite a game. The Wings were up 4-1 to one in that game, and then all of a sudden Minnesota fired back late in the third period. Uh, ended up evening the game up. A uh, couple goals from, um, he's, uh, from Zach Parise. Yeah, Zach Parise. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wings ended up winning a shootout game, which was very surprising. And uh, now they're sitting at second place in the Atlantic Division right now with 63 points, a point back of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So Red Wings looking in good position right now for the rest of the season. Yeah, uh, and it seems like for the Red Wings, it seems like they should just throw in Peter Mrazek to play in the shootouts because he's gotten them their only two shootout wins. The other one, of course, was against the Devils back in November. But you got to give full marks to the uh, Minnesota Wild on that, how they played in that third period. Zach Parisi played out of his mind in that game. That last goal he scored to tie the game where he just picked off the pass from right behind the goal line. That was an unbelievable play. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of a weird game because, I mean, Minnesota outshot the Red Wings by uh, quite a bit in this game for most for the most part. But uh, for, the, for some reason, the Red Wings had better scoring chances early. Um, you know, uh, Pudikin getting his first goal of his NHL career, that was... That was mm-hmm. awesome for him, you know, coming up from Grand Rapids due to the injury with um, jo- Johan Franzen, who's on IR right now, and the 23 or 23-year-old up from uh, AHL gets his first goal. So congratulations to him. And uh, the Red Wings right now on a five-game win streak. They also beat uh, Nashville 5-2 to two earlier that week, and uh, Buffalo 6-4, to four, an amazing comeback for the Red Wings, down 3 nothing in the first period. And they fight their way back, and Zetterberg with the hat trick to lead them back in that game. That was an incredible performance by Henrik Zetterberg. Yeah, and you can see why Zetterberg now is at the top of the team in terms of points. And on this five-game winning streak, they also beat Buffalo uh, at Buffalo on the night they retired Dominic Hasek's number. I was at a Red Wings viewing party in Detroit to watch that game. I was the only person there wearing a Devils jersey, but nonetheless. Uh, if you look at if you look at their wins in this winning streak, sure two of them are against Buffalo, you know, but still they got the job done. Sure they were down by three goals against Buffalo, but what a they stormed back, and that's what you need to see from a team like the Red Wings. And then two statement wins against Nashville and then against uh, St. Louis on the road, no less. So this has been a very impressive streak for the Red Wings, and you can see now they're in second place in the division well within striking distance, only one point away. I don't know if uh, I don't know if I could have seen them be, uh, this close to the division lead at the start of the season come yeah. All-Star break. I, I agree. I mean, especially with, you know, Howard going down with the uh, mm-hmm. groin injury. Mm-hmm. Now he's on IR. 
You know, a lot of people expecting the Red Wings to take a step back, but Peter Morazic's played very well. I mean, McCollum played, you know, pretty well in relief of uh, Peter Morazic the other night against um, Buffalo because mm-hmm. they, you know, they took out Morazic after that three nothing first period. So mm-hmm. the Red Wings still getting it done in goal. Um, but the reason I think they're scoring a lot of goals right now. I mean, Thomas Tatar, you know. I'm really surprised that he didn't get into the All-Star game the way he's been playing so far this season for the Red Wings, you know, leading them in goals. Um, Zetterberg leads the team in points. And uh, Jimmy Howard was the only player to be selected for the All-Star game, but uh, he will not play due to his injury. So no Red Wings in the All-Star game, unfortunately, this year. But um, what do you think about the All-Star game this year, Brian? Um, Who are your headliners this year? Um, Looking at, well, first of all, I was just, uh, I was stunned at the, what the uniforms are going to be for the All Star Game? I thought they were just—they're just atrocious. I, I'm not a fan. But having said that, I want—I think you know some of the highlighters. I mean, you have guys like Patrick Elias from New Jersey not having the best season, but he did just eclipse a thousand points on his career, and he's one away from 400 goals. Um, you, I think Thomas Attar was more deserving of a spot than Patrick Elias. Um, we're looking up and down. I think all these guys deserve to be there. Um, you know, Jakub Voracek from Philadelphia up there, you know, in terms of league scoring, Sam Coase, Vladimir Tarasenko, who I think Tarasenko is making a case to have an MVP kind of season. Um, but it's interesting to see the, uh, the turnover that's happened in goal. He had so many players that were slated to be on the team and now they're getting hurt. You know, I think the biggest one was Jamie Howard. Yeah. And Mark, uh, not Mark, uh, Sergey Bobrovsky. Who yep. knows if he's going to play now since he got hurt in the game against Winnipeg the other night. Yeah, even Pecorino. Pecorino, too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of, you know, high, you know, high, you know, known goaltenders not playing in the All Star game. Uh, the captains this year, Nick Feligno for the Columbus Blue Jackets, you know, the home, kind of the home team. Mm-hmm. Um, they're hosted in Columbus. And then um, Jonathan Taze. For the Blackhawks are the two captains, and um, for those of you that don't know, they are actually doing a fantasy draft type of thing for the All Star Game this year, where you know Taze and Feligno get to pick their own players, kind of like a schoolyard type draft. And I think it's kind of an interesting idea for the fantasy, you know, for the for the All Star Game, a way to mix it up a little bit, because you see a lot of the viewership numbers for these All Star Games across not just the NHL but all you know professional sports leagues are down. I mean, you look at the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the NBA All-Star Game, I would say the only one that really has any significance is the MLB All-Star Game. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I, I do give the NHL credit for trying to mix it up and, you know, trying to come up with some different ideas. I'm not sure if this is the way I would go about it, but um, I don't know. What, what would your, what's your opinion on the way they do this for the All-Star Game? Uh, I, I think it's it's a good idea. I mean, it, they, the way they used to do it, either they used to split it east or west or there were several years where they would do North America against the world. I mean, I think I think it's it adds an interesting little uh, little tidbit to the game, and also allows you it, it turns it into more of an entire All Star Weekend thing. Well, now you turn in, you're going to tune into the draft Friday night to see who's on whose team and who gets picked last, you know. And then, um, but the best part about the whole All Star Weekend, in my opinion, is the skills competition. I really could care less about the game. I don't want to see a hockey game that is like ten nine. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's just not my. That's not real know, hockey. You got guys just standing there, letting people skate by, doing tricks. I mean, 
That's not yeah. That's not what I like to see when I watch hockey. But the skills competition, that's the best sort of skills competition in all of the sports. I feel the yeah. NHL skills competition is the best. Better than the home run derby. Much better than the slam dunk contest. Better than whatever the NFL does. Well, the NFL actually they used to do a sort of like a skills competition for like positional players mm-hmm. way back in the day, and that was fun to watch. But they stopped doing that now. So yeah, but yeah, I agree. I think the NHL skills competition should be fun to watch. I mean, you got the hardest shot, um, Big you know, Z. Yeah, Big Z. You know, got you always got Shea Weber in the mix. Mm-hmm. So that should be fun to watch. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, does Jonathan Taze, if he has the first pick, does he take Patrick Kane, his teammate in Chicago? with that top pick, or does he take, you know, a different player? A Sidney Crosby or a yeah. Steven Samuels. And it'll, in, it'll be interesting this year because Zidane Chara is not on the the roster this year for the All-Star game, so we'll see if anybody else can try to upset his, his record. When you see a guy shoot the puck over, over 105 miles an hour, that's just... <laughs> I mean that that's, that's nuts. intimidating. Yeah, that that is that is nuts. And poor Shea Weber can bring it himself, but I mean Shea Weber will top you know one hundred one, one hundred two, and then you know he's feeling good about himself, and then Char comes up and then rips one hundred five, and you know. But I, I love all the events, fastest skater. You know, I, I like the the breakaway challenge. You know, where the players get the points for creativity, and they basically do whatever the heck they want. You know, I, I really enjoy that. I was looking I was looking to try to get tickets to go to the All Star game since it's only a four hour drive away from yeah. us here. But then I looked, I was I was thinking I don't wanna drop hundred and seventy five dollars uh for cheap seats to go, you know, because of course they make you buy it's it's a package. You know, you're not just able to go to just the skills competition or yeah, just the, the game the and... game. They they made you they make you get tickets for both of them and I, I was not willing to do that. Yeah, so I mean they got they got a total of six events this year. They got the the fastest skater, as mm-hmm. you were talking about, the breakaway challenge, accuracy shooting. That should be a fun one to watch. That's my favorite. And the um, you know, skills challenge relay, which is kind of a mix of a bunch of different mm-hmm. ones, and the hardest shot, and then, you know, the Discover NHL shootout. So, um yeah, that that should be an interesting, you know, couple of events in the um all star game weekend, um, in Columbus, Ohio. Um, home of the Blue Jackets, and yeah, I mean, you got um, fastest skater. I think that would be if Darren Helm was in this. Yeah. I think that would be one of the, mm-hmm. his better events. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was a little bit um, disappointed. No Red Wings in the All Star game this year. Um, how do you feel about you know each team getting one, at least one representative, similar to baseball? I'm not really a huge fan of it. I feel like you should just take the best players overall. I mean, if if one team has you know eight players in the All-Star game, then so be it. I mean, they're a good team. Um, you know, but I, I do see where the NHL has to have at least one member because then, you know, that team's fan base might not tune in. Mm-hmm. You know, That's... so it's, it's 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 an interesting, you know, debate for sure. You see, I'm, I'm, I, I'm on the fence about it because there are teams that, frankly, do not deserve to have anybody represented. In case in point, the New Jersey Devils with Patrick Eliash. I've watched all their games this season – Frankly, nobody on that team deserves to be in uh, in this All Star game. And really, realistically, I re- I don't think anybody from the Buffalo Sabers deserves to be there either. But then again, this is the problem with you know fan voting comes in, and you know while while it does some good, I really think fan voting is just not 
how the NHL should determine who the All-Stars are. It's a great way to get people involved, but you have guys that really have no business leading in votes like Zemgis Gergensen's yeah. really should not be the leading vote getter. You have people who honestly, who probably just do nothing but vote for their players all day long. And I don't think that's the best way to determine who gets in. But like you said, Zach, having one person from every team makes every fan base interested in watching the game. Yeah. You know, because you want to root, you got to root your hometown guy. You got to root for it. You got to root for him. But I I do think uh, that maybe instead of having so many, you know, we have a lot of Blackhawks on the team. You got a lot of, I mean, it's understandable to have the Blue Jackets players there because they're the home team. But there are some teams that are overrepresented and some that are like the Red Wings that are very underrepresented. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, we're at the all-star break right now, a little bit over halfway done with the season. And this is kind of where, you know, the season kind of starts to take shape. You know, which teams are going to be in the playoffs, which teams are not. While there's still a lot of games left, I think this is where you start to see, you know, the teams separate from the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at the Atlantic Division right now, you got Tampa at the top spot. You got the Red Wings a point back. And then you got Montreal and Boston in third and fourth place. And if the season ended now, Detroit would be playing Montreal. That would be an interesting Ooh. series, I think. You know, an original six rival series, which, you know, would be highly viewed, in my oh, opinion. Absolutely. That'll rekindle. That'll rekindle that rivalry yeah. for sure. But how about the Islanders? First place in the Metro Division with 63 points. Point back at Tampa for first overall in the Eastern Conference. Just unbelievable season right now from the New York Islanders who came, I mean, coming into the season, a lot of people were thinking that, you know, they were they were doomed coming into the mm-hmm. season. And now they're, they could be one of the, probably arguably one of the best teams in hockey right now. They have the second most prolific offense in the NHL behind only Tampa Bay. And this team is just, they just can't, I mean, they can lose, but they just, they really just don't lose too often. I mean, yeah, they're 7-3 and three in their last 10, but they obliterated the Penguins. That was a great game uh, that I watched between those two uh, at the Nassau Coliseum. And it's just, they just, <laughs> they're firing on all cylinders right now. I mean... I don't think anybody would have seen the Islanders in first place in the Metropolitan Division at the start of the season. Yeah. I certainly didn't. No, I mean, not, no, me neither. I mean, I know they made the playoffs last season, but, you know, definitely they've come out of nowhere. They've been one of the surprise teams. And then you look in the Western Conference, you got Nashville right now, first place in the Central, um, up on St. Louis and Chicago, and what they've been able to do. And uh, I think a big reason of that, you know, Pecorino has been unbelievable for mm-hmm. them, even though he's kind of injured right now. But you look at, you know, kind of start, you know, the voting for the Vizina Trophy and, you know, Art Ross and all that. But I think Pecorino is definitely a top-shelf candidate for that award at the end of the season, the way he's been able to, you know, carry the Predators this year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we'll say we'll see how much his, his – uh his absence will impact this team because now if you think about it, they got to go with uh, a combination of Carter Hutton and Merrick Mazinek in goal. We'll see how far Carter Hutton can take them. And so far in nine games, Carter Hutton is one, four, and three. Yeah. Or eight games started and nine games uh, played in. Um, this will be, this will be whether, this will tell us if 
the Predators are serious contenders if they are a super good team or if it is Pecorine just carrying the load for them. And if it's Pecorine carrying the load, I honestly think he's well-deserving of not only the Vesna Trophy but also the Hart Trophy as NHL MVP. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would have to agree. I mean, there's probably you know a short list of other candidates mm-hmm. in that mix. But you look at the stats right now, he's leading the league in wins. Um, mm-hmm. Third in goals against average, 1.96. And, uh, you know, you got Brian Elliott, 1.86 average, so he'll probably be in the mix for the Vezina Trophy. And But, yeah, it's been an interesting year at goaltender. Um, Hollick, you know, making the All-Star game for the first time in his career mm-hmm. for the Islanders. He's been really big for them, too. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's it'll be interesting. And how about Tyler Sagan leading the league in goals with 28 goals here at the All-Star break? Um, you know, unbelievable, I think. A lot of people doubted him when they, you know, Boston traded him to Dallas, thinking, oh, you know, Boston, they know what they're doing. You know, they're getting rid of a guy that, you know, he's kind of this. Even though I don't think they gave him enough time, to no. be honest with you. Mm-mm. I mean, he was in the league for what three, three years at that point. Just about, one of your yeah. top, one of your top draft picks, and yeah, he might have not made as big of an impact as you would have liked. But then again, I think he had flashes of brilliance while he was in Boston, and honestly, I think Dallas was on the very good end of that deal. And he's a player that, you know, the Stars can build around for the future. Mm, yeah. And if you, if you look back at how that trade went down, there's no doubt that right now the Bruins are definitely the losers in that trade. I, I mean, I do I do agree with you. They gave, I think they gave up on him too quickly. And maybe it was a move that they thought was good at the time. You know, it was a move they needed to make. But ultimately, do you think the Bruins want Tyler Sagan back? Oh, I yeah. really think they do, especially at this point where they're you know they're struggling just to be in that playoff mix mm-hmm. in the um in the Eastern Conference, um and they've gotten a lot older as a team, and and the Stars have gotten a lot younger, and that's that's the name of the game in the NHL is you know you get your you get the younger guys. Look at the Red Wings for example; they're one of the youngest teams in the league right now. Yeah, they have Zetterberg and Datsuk, but they also have a you know a ton of draft picks that they've been able to pick up lately, and that have really um you know contributed to the team's success over mm-hmm. the last few years. Mm-hmm. And that and that's key. That's what it's it's turning into a young man's game. It, it it has been and in the future it'll just continue to become a young man's game with the sprinkled veteran presence, you know, here and there. Yeah, I I would agree. Uh but yeah, the you know the uh, the Hart Trophy for the MVP um that's an interesting debate cuz you know you could talk about Pecorino, but right now he's hurt, so depending on how long he's out you got to start thinking of other candidates. Um, you know, Sagan's up there. I don't know if he's a, as a complete player. I don't know if he deserves the MVP trophy, but you know, you got other players in the mix. Um, Voracek in Philadelphia has been playing very well. Patrick Kane, um, Philadelphia. They have a lot of players up in the stats. It's that's an mm-hmm. interesting mix there for the for the Flyers. Yeah, you have two two guys, uh, Jake Jacob Voracek and and Claude Giroux. Both in the top five in NHL scoring, uh, Drew with 51 points, Voracek with 56, and yet they're one of the bottom feeders in the in the Metropolitan Division. Yeah, it's interesting, but I think uh, going back to Pekarene for a second, I think this is where the interpretation of the MVP trophy is a huge factor, because a lot of times the people who win the Hart Trophy are the guys that put up the most points. You, you, you'll you notice that. There's a separate trophy for that. Yeah. The Art Ross trophy. That's, most... that, that's, that's, that's it. 
you know, Rocket Richard for the most goals scored. The interpretation of the trophy is the guy voted most valuable to his team. Now, if Pecorine is out for a long time and the Nashville Predators just fall off the face of, you know, the top of the standings, they fall off a cliff, then how do you not interpret Pecorine as the most valuable to his team? Now, people judge, you know, last year Sidney Crosby gets it. If you take Sidney Crosby off of the Penguins lineup, they were still winning. They still win. Yeah. With with all the character supporting cast around him, they still win. So Sidney Crosby to me is not the most valuable person to his team in the NHL. I feel Pecorino is a more valuable part to his team than a Sidney Crosby. Then, you know, maybe you could say Jakob Voracek, you know. Just my two cents yeah. because I I I really hate to see the award go to the, you know, more often than not, to people who just stack up the points. Yeah, I mean that's definitely. I don't think that's that's always the you know the most valuable player. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at Tarasenko in St. Louis. Yeah, he has twenty four goals in the season, but he means a lot more to that team than just goals scored. Yeah. I mean, he's he's a complete all around player. Mm-hmm. I would argue that he's he's in the, at least the top five for the MVP discussion. And um, I mean, you got to talk about Steven Stamkos, who's had you know another great season for Tampa Bay. I mean, he's their leader. He's the guy. If Tampa Bay, if Tampa Bay is going to get it done this year, he's the guy that's going to do it for them. Yeah, and and I would toss in Ben Bishop at that at that uh, on on that discussion. I think you might even. I, I I honestly think that Ben Bishop might be a little more uh, a little more valuable to that team than Steven Stamkos. I really do, because you look when Steven Stamkos had his leg injury last season, they still made the playoffs and they were still one of the better teams in the conference. That's without Stamkos. Yeah. But once Ben Bishop went down in the playoffs, they got swept. So I, I think, you know, they got swept by the Montreal Canadiens. So that's why I, I really think people need to, you know, the people who vote on this award need to really take a step back and learn what the trophy is really supposed to be about. Yeah, so uh, we look at the Red Wings here. Um, their next game is next Tuesday um, against the uh, at Florida Panthers. And the Florida Panthers right now sitting at twenty. That's that. They're kind of. They've been surprising a little bit. Not not as bad as a lot of people thought they would be this mm-hmm. year. Sitting at twenty fourteen and ten fifty points in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think this is where the Red Wings can you know pick up some more steam. And then you go into that monster matchup uh, next Thursday at Tampa. That's going to be a good matchup too. You know the two top teams in the Atlantic Division. Um, you know possibly you know future series in the playoffs um, that I can't wait for that matchup. Yeah, and I think it's really important for the Red Wings to not overlook that game against Florida. I really do, because Florida at this point in the season they are a desperate team, because they're. if you look at them right now, they're seven points out of a wild card spot. The last wild card spot's held by the Bruins right now. So, they're seven points behind, but they have four games in hand on the Bruins, so I think you're gonna, Florida is going to come out desperate because they need to start winning and they need to start gaining ground in that playoff race. So that's why I think if the Red Wings, you know, if they if they just think a little less of that matchup and they're more focused on the Lightning, I think there's a chance Florida might burn them in that game. Yeah, that that's your classic trap game right mm-hmm. there. Um, but yeah, you look at the schedule right now, and I think the second half of the schedule, you know, a little over halfway through the season, you're really going to find out whether the Red Wings are real or not because they have. A ton of road games yeah. in the second half of the mm-hmm. season. I mean, there's a point where they're playing almost seven, 
see, yeah, six straight road games. You know, you're going into the West. You got at Chicago, at Dallas, at Anaheim, at uh-huh. LA, at San Jose, that... at Nashville. I mean, that that's a murderer's <laughs> row. <laughs> that's a murderer's road trip right there. Yeah, and then you look at the two home games surrounding, you know, sandwiching those. You have a home game against Montreal. That's no cakewalk. And a home game against the Rangers. The Rangers are the hottest team in the NHL right now, to be honest. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's tough. You Right out right out of the gate in the All-Star, uh, the All-Star break, you're playing five out of six on the road. And then, like you said, that six-game road trip that takes you, oh, my goodness. That that's just that's a daunting task for any team, any yeah. Eastern Conference team. I mean, anytime you have to go, you know, you do that, do that, you know, California road trip. Mm-hmm. Those three teams, that's, that's they, they beat be. you. They they yeah. they they physically beat you down. Yeah, I I don't know if you uh, seen that game last night between L.A. and San Jose, but I mean that every time those two teams play, I, you know, it it bruises me to watch the game because mm-hmm. it's so physical. They don't and, like each other. No. No, they and that's not. great to watch. And uh, even the game before that, Chicago and Pittsburgh, that that was an outstanding game before that. Mm-hmm. You know, Chicago ended up winning in the shootout. But uh yeah, that was you know, those are two good games and I, I feel like, you know, Chicago, they still have a lot of talent. I think if I had to make a prediction right now, um, depending on how long Pecorino is gonna be out, I don't know if Nashville can hold on to that top spot in the central. But you're either looking at St. Louis or Chicago that might be the top team in the Central come playoff time. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. Uh, even though one thing the Predators have going for them is they have games in hand on both the Blues and the Blackhawks. Uh, one on the Blues, two on the Blackhawks. But, you know, th- we'll see. Uh, I mean, the Blues are, are just, realistically, they're quietly going about their business. I mean, yeah. you don't really hear much about the Blues. You know, everyone you know always talks about the Blackhawks, and and rightfully so. But at least it looks like, uh, and, and you, you look at the, the the teams behind them. You look at Winnipeg, who out of nowhere, you know, is is only five points out of the division lead at twenty six fourteen and eight. Yeah, Michael Hutchinson has been playing lights out for them lately. So if they could keep that up, who knows? If Nashville can't sustain that. Uh, that elite, you know, playing level, they might even drop uh, behind the, the Jets. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And, yeah. and you know, they got a huge cushion before they get to Colorado, Dallas, and Minnesota. But don't don't overlook that. That is That division is easily the toughest division in the league. Every team is at 500 or better in that division. Yeah, that, that isn't crazy. And how about the Ducks right now sitting at first in the, in the Pacific? We always seem to forget about the Ducks. Yep. I feel like it's, you know, a little bit of they're always going to be a good team, so no one really talks about mm-hmm. them. But they always, at come playoff time, they always seem to be first in their division. It it just seems like that. Yeah, and, and I got to watch their game against the Devils last weekend, and boy, did they look good. They they just, everything about that team, you know, sure, they had Ilya Brzgalov in that they had the backup against the Devils, but I think that's a very solid goaltending duo they got there, and they're just they're everything's going right for them. I mean, really, uh, you know, you look at thirty-one, ten, and six. That's yeah. I mean, the, that division might not be as strong as mm-hmm. the other divisions. I mean, you look, the Anaheim has a pretty lengthy lead right now, up by uh, twelve points on uh, San Jose, who has fifty-six points. So they're second place in the division right now. Mm-hmm. But you still got to talk about Anaheim as a possible, you know, cup contender. Um, but how about the Los Angeles Kings in fifth place in that division? That. That is crazy to me because, you know, they didn't really lose anyone in the offseason. Um, yeah, did, Willie, did, Willie Mitchell was the only one they lost, really. Yeah, I mean, you and, know, they 
did they did they improve by a whole lot in the offseason? Probably not. But they're still a team that won the Stanley Cup last year. But, you know, I think Los Angeles is one of those teams that's going to wake up in the second half of the season. They might not, you know, get first place in the division, but they'll they'll be in the playoffs before this is all said and done. Yeah, they're they are really struggling lately. Two, three, and five in their last ten. They had a long homestand uh that just wrapped up and they they did not fare too well. I think they were one, two, and four in wow. their homestand. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it happens. It's bound to happen to a team that has really had so much success over the last three seasons. You know, they're due to have uh, you know, a downfall eventually, but Give the Calgary Flames and Vancouver Canucks credit for creeping above them in the standings. Really? Yeah, I mean, you got to give them credit. I mean, yeah, you can talk about Los Angeles. They've definitely underachieved. Um, if I had to say, they'd probably be the most disappointing team right now at the All-Star break. I don't, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I think I think the Kings would be up there. Um, call, how, what, about, what happened to Colorado this season? I mean, they're struggling as well. They were supposed to be one of the top teams coming back this season and they're struggling right now, but I think they still have time to right the ship before this is all said and done. Yeah, but I I, I think it was a matter of uh, maybe they just had a little too much success last year. Like, they were ahead of schedule, it, yeah. you know, for lack of better words. They were ahead of schedule last year, and so expectations jumped, you know, skyrocketed for them going into this, into this season. And I'll have to admit, I was one of them. I expected them to compete for the top of that division but I mean, you'll just you just see I mean that that division is just so difficult that I don't think the that 10 point deficit if you look at the wild card standings they currently are looks like they're only three points out of a wild card spot right now so that makes me think they're more than capable of climbing in there but that division though yeah is just so good it, yeah. it's tough yep I agree. Um, it'll be tough for them, but we sh- we'll see if they can climb back into it. Um, but, yeah, most disappointing teams, I would have to say Los Angeles, Colorado. Um, I mean, not many people really expected a – I mean, Toronto's been pretty disappointing as well. I mean, if you think about the way they started the season, <laughs> and now they're just in a free fall right uh, now. They're, is them, there, is and, there any hope for the Maple Leafs this season? No. No, them and, and – it whole situation in in Toronto is just have you seen any have you, have you seen the all the things about the fans throwing their jerseys yeah, onto the ice that, yeah. in protest uh, and honestly folks there's a way to voice your displeasure with your team there there is yeah i mean you boo you know you, you don't show up to games you don't yeah. watch them on TV. there are ways to do it and ways to not do it yeah. and throwing your sweater onto the ice Especially during play, yeah. for one thing, is just not the way to do it. I mean, for one, it's stupid. I mean, how many, how much money are you paying it's for a, that? It's a one hundred and fifty dollars jersey. Let me just yeah. throw this on yeah. the ice. I mean, no way. I wish I had one thing. Yeah, I wish you I, know. I wish I had that much money just to throw onto the ice yeah, and never I, see again. But I mean, yeah. you know, it. At least if you're going to do it, do it during stoppages of play. Do not do it right in the middle of the action. Yeah. I mean that that's just it's it's embarrassing. It really is, and. It's even more embarrassing when the leadership in that organization, you know, the GMs, you know, the the CEOs, and, and they really don't take notice to that. I mean, it's, they just look at it as, oh, it's some lunatic, you know, some crazy guy just, you know, trying to make a scene. Once, if that happens once, you might have something, but when you have 
three or four jerseys thrown onto the ice during a game, it's it's a bad situation. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, there's ways to do it, like you yeah. were saying. You know, stage walkouts, like you know the Lions fans used to do, and during the Matt <laughs> Millen era. Um, I'm you know I'm pretty close to that mm-hmm. as a Lions fan, but you know, yeah, there's ways to do it, and then there's ways not to. And I gotta say, I think Toronto that playoff series against Boston a couple of years ago, I think that was that was really that kind did, of that did them in. Yeah, that was the tipping point. I mean, this, they were. I mean, they were almost, you know, how do you lose a three-goal lead in the third period with five minutes to go in the game? How how does that happen to a team in game seven, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, you go from, you know, oh, we're going to go to the next round of the playoffs to your your season's done, you go to the next season, you underachieve, and now, you know, where does Toronto go from here? Do they completely blow up, you know, the, the organization? Or do they try to rebuild with some, you know, free agent moves? I don't know if there's a clear-cut answer for Toronto right now. No, there's not. And uh, you look at you, maybe you got you got to part ways with either Dion Phaneuf or Phil Kessel. The rumors and the speculation coming out of that out of that city is just you know people are call are really calling for them to just blow up the whole team, and you might have to. You might have to. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's no excuse for it, especially in a city like Toronto where the fans are as passionate as they are. Um, you know, I would compare it to how the Red Sox, when they finished last place, you know, a few years ago in the in the AL East, how how that all went down. I mean, they were able to, you know, the next season come all the way back and win the World Series, but that's not going to happen. No, with Toronto. not with Toronto. <laughs> it doesn't happen like that in hockey. So, but um, yeah, the Red Wings, I think they're in a good spot going into the All Star break, and uh, I think it's going to be a very interesting second half of the season. Um, if any of you uh, have any questions or concerns or just want to talk some hockey, um, you know, tweet at us. Uh, you can tweet at me at ZachFanko52, uh, Z-A-C-H-F-A-N-K-O-52. Um, you know, we'd love to hear from the fans of the show. And uh, even if you're not a Red Wings fan, you want to talk just NHL hockey, tweet at us. Um, you can tweet at Brian as well. Yep, tweet at me at Brian, B-R-I-A-N underscore B-O-B-A-L. Be happy to answer any of your questions. All right, and uh, we'll see you next week on another edition of Octopi Hockey Town.